0: well good morning i am karen i'm one of the pastors on staff here and i am so excited this morning to be with you as pastor betty and i wrap up this connected series i have really enjoyed this series and i hope you have as well so we're going to wrap up the series looking at the points you have seen each and every week in that bumper video for the last seven weeks we've looked at the way we are wired from birth we've looked at our temperaments Love languages, our character and calling, spiritual gifts, personalities, and last week, mentoring. All of these messages have helped us understand ourselves better, how we work, and connect with others in God best in a way that honors God, benefits us, and blesses those around us. So uh, as I started thinking about this message, I couldn't help but think of um, a family that I used to nanny for. And I think we have a picture. So I was a nanny um, for five children. There were two sets of twins. I'm the short one. (laughs) And um, when I worked for them for seven years, and I have amazing stories about those kids, and I'm super proud of them, but um, when I first started, they were all much smaller than me. So, I had the rare opportunity to to get to see all five in the same place as one of them got married a couple weeks ago, it was such a blessing. Anyway, I couldn't help but think of these kids when I was thinking about this message this morning. So there's two sets of twins, the boys that are standing next to each other and then the girls. And it took me very little time with them to learn the difference between the twins. They went through phases that I called their twin phases where they looked really, really similar. But of course, to those who knew them well, we could tell them apart quite easily because they could not have been more different. The picture I showed today shows their differences pretty clearly. It's pretty obvious to see that they're not identical. But I promise, when they were younger, it was challenging. They were unique in their own ways, though, that made them stand apart from their twin. And it got to a point where I could tell them apart by their voices, the way they walked, stomped, ran down the stairs, their sneezes, their coughs. I could tell them apart from the back, from the front, from the side. I could hear and see their personality and all that they did, even if I wasn't in the same room. And although most of us don't go through life with someone who looks almost identical to us, many of us did grow up with siblings. And more than that, we all grew up likely being compared to someone else around us in some way, and that negates the way God created us to be. So the first of the seven points from the bumper video is that we are each uniquely wired by God. We are each uniquely wired by God. We are constantly in motion, changing and growing with each new experience. We flourish when we are not afraid to live in the moments that God calls us to. Our life is full of many small moments that shape and mold who we are. It's kind of like a puzzle with different pieces, all unique, yet all important to the whole picture of who God created us to be. Each of these different aspects of our personality reveal themselves to us as life unfolds. Our own unique wiring has always been present. We just need to unwrap it a bit. We need to nourish it and give it a chance to flourish. We also have maybe needed to tame pieces of it along the way or grow in confidence and allow ourselves to make mistakes. Through this series, we have learned about our temperaments and character. We are born with temperaments, but character is developed over time. So our second point this morning is we have different temperaments, personalities, gifts, and abilities that develop our specific makeup. We have different temperaments, personalities, gifts, and abilities that develop our specific makeup. And so when I thought about this, I thought about the 12 apostles, and I'm going to read um, just one account of the list of the 12 apostles from Mark chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. This is just one of the places where the disciples were listed. In fact, you can find that list in each of the Gospels, as well as in the book of Acts. The interesting thing, however, is depending on which book you read, the list may vary slightly in the order that they are listed, and also maybe even the names that are listed. The apostles, like us today, were all very different. They started out as average, unexceptional men of their time, fishermen, farmers, local magistrates, but... Their dedication to a prophetic Jewish preacher in the backwaters of the Roman Empire transformed them into revolutionaries, and in the process, changed the world itself in ways that would reverberate across time for 2,000 years. I read an interesting article that gave information about each of the 12. It set apart Peter, James, and John as Jesus's inner circle and closest friends. It gave information about who each was in the Bible and how they came to be one of the 12, and in some cases, why it was so surprising and shocking that they were one of the 12. Each apostle is different, was different. God called them, created them to their uniqueness, and allowed them the freedom to make choices and develop those unique qualities. Back to the kids that I nannied for just a moment, four of them were runners. The boys simply ran for fun because they were good at it, but the girls actually went on after high school to run uh, for the Cornell cross country and track teams. They're tall, I'm not sure if you noticed that, or if you noticed how short I was, we were not on a hill. I really am that short. Anyways, they are tall, they have runners, a runner's build, but they didn't just wake up one day and decide to go run a race. It was something that they started small with and grew into, they trained, they worked insanely hard. They used the natural talent that they were given to refine their ability to become better and stronger with each and every race. It would have been easy uh, for them, especially the girls, to compete with one another as they were always on the same team, but that is not something they ever really did. They accepted that they were not equal. That they had different bodies, and therefore, instead of comparing, they encouraged one another to simply do their best every time. Simply do their personal best every time. That brings me to point number three. Understanding those differences is key to knowing who we are. Understanding our differences is key to knowing who we are. I remember when I was first introduced to the idea of extroverts and introverts, my mind was completely blown to find out I was 100% the opposite of what I had understood myself to be for most of my life. It was totally mind-blowing to me. Pastor Betty was actually the one to help me see and recognize my introverted ways, and I have seriously embraced it ever since, very happily an introvert. There are also all kinds of personality assessments that can help us to recognize some of our strengths and weaknesses within relational settings as well as in work situations. Personality assessments are helpful in understanding who we are and the different ways that we tick, so to speak. Um, What I have found is that people either love these or they give them zero to little thought. Why take a personality assessment to tell me who I am when I can just tell you who I am myself, right? I had that same thought until I took a personality assessment or two, and now I find them incredibly interesting. However, I would exercise a few words of caution regarding them. They are not gospel. While I love to read about my Myers-Briggs type or recently the Enneagram, which has been kind of the buzzword personality assessment, lately and be amazed at how well they are able to describe me, there will never be a personality assessment that is able to accurately give me a perfect picture of who I am or of who you are. If you've taken one of them, I'm sure that you can agree with that. Second word of caution, when you do take one of those personality assessments, there will almost always be something that stings just a little bit it's not necessarily a bad thing. It helps us confront those personality traits within us that we may need to tame and be a bit more mindful of. I remember the first time that I took the Myers-Briggs and I saw the J at the end of my, whatever my four letters are, I can't tell you right now, but the J stands for judging and I was seriously mad. I did not want the judging word associated with my personality. But after I read more about it, I was like, that is me. And it wasn't at all what I had thought. It was not about judging others as much as it was situations. Always having a backup plan for your backup plan's backup plan, that's me. Final word of caution, we need to be mindful to not spend too much time Comparing our results with others, because back to point number one, we are all unique. No one quality is more unique or more important than another. God created us to be perfectly unique in our own way, so we must stop comparing our uniqueness with the uniqueness of our neighbor. Betty's going to share with us how we can use our unique qualities to complement one another and fulfill God's purpose, but first... Let's look at what God teaches us about who he created us to be and how that is important to our relationship with him. Our fourth point this morning is knowing our unique wiring is at the heart of our relationship with God. Knowing our unique wiring is at the heart of our relationship with God. Trusting in who God created you to be makes all the difference in how we experience joy in our life. I want to take a few moments to look at several verses in Scripture that remind us who we are in Christ. We have been made in his image, Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. We were made for his purpose, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were made to be in fellowship with him and others, 1 Corinthians 12.12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. We were made to work our best for his kingdom, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. We were made to seek him first, Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We were made to walk in unity, Matthew 5.9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. We were made to be a light that points others back to him. Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. A city set up on a hill cannot be hidden. We were simply made to sit in his presence. Psalm 16.11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We were made to be his children, Ephesians 1, 5, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus according to the purpose of his will. We were made to be righteous. Romans 3, 22, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ is for all who believe, for there is no distinction. And we were made to be forgiven and forgiving. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And that's Ephesians 4.32. Pastor Betty is going to come and share how we take what we know about our unique individual wiring and to help us connect in our relationship with God and others.
1: I love how Karen uh, shared all of those verses with us that, that really remind us that all we have to do is go to God's God's word to know who we were created to be, right? We just go to his word and we open it and we can begin to understand who we are because it's the most reliable resource that we have to know our true identity, the most reliable resource. When we doubt, I love those verses because they just shed some light on the truth Um, and just so important. I have some of them written in different spots around my house and my office just to remind me sometimes when I forget, because it's important to embrace who we were created to be, believing first and foremost, so important, first and foremost, that our true identity is found in our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where our true identity is found. He is the one who created us. He is the one who knows us the best of anyone, even better than we know ourselves. In the book of Acts, um, I love how Luke refers to Jesus as the author of life. Now, the author of any story knows the beginning, knows the middle, and knows the end. And throughout the story, each character that that author has included in the story is developed in order to fulfill the main plot of the story or the main goal, the point of the story. Now, we could compare that and say the same is true about the author of our life. But here's the key difference. Our author has given us free will. And that's a big difference. Let me clarify one quick thing for you. My free will cannot alter the course of God's ultimate plan. Do we agree on that? My free will cannot um, alter his course, but it can alter the way that I live and the way that I experience the life that I have been given. It can greatly alter that. So our stories are not over. As we sit here this morning, as You may be watching online this morning or even watching later in the week. Our stories are not over. We have the free will to choose the next step, to change our current path. Unlike some of those stories that we read in books, our ending is very much, again, altered by those choices that we make along the way. But I am so grateful that our God pulls us back on the path when we might decide to stray just a little bit. In fact, I think we could each tell a unique story of our own twists and turns, and I referred to them as route adjustments along the path. And more often than not, he uses others to help us to redirect, to get back on the path, if I'm willing to receive what they offer. And then likewise, he uses you or me to redirect someone else, if I am willing to participate and be obedient to where he's called me to be and to go. So to add to Karen's point, yes, knowing our unique wiring is at the heart of our relationship with God. It is also at the heart of our relationship with others. As our author has created us uniquely, so too he uses those unique qualities to align us well within the body of his church, within the framework of others, kind of like the puzzle pieces that Karen described. To help me make this point, I want to lean into the story of the apostles just a little bit more. As Karen shared, yes, they were all unique, different personalities, different abilities, but there were some things that, some very important things that they had in common as well. They were a part of Jesus' inner circle. They were willing to learn, they were willing to serve, and they were willing to sacrifice. And it was so obvious that they were Jesus' disciples. There's a story of Peter and John healing a crippled man in Acts chapter 4. And we read that after this event, over 5,000, it says 5,000 men, so men and women, many, many more than that, came to believe. Now, the religious leaders were also paying attention. So I want to share with you the words um, that are recorded in Acts 4, 13 and 14. These are from the religious leaders about those apostles. It says, now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. It was obvious to anybody who was paying attention. It was obvious to all who had encountered the apostles that their identity rested in Jesus Christ. Now, individually, the apostles may not have stuck out in a crowd, but honestly, when you align them with God's Spirit and they come together as one body, they are the roots of the church that spread the gospel with power and wisdom across the world. Amazing, amazing when they came together for God's plan and purpose. So in order to be the best that they could be for God's kingdom, they had to first know themselves. They had to know themselves so so that they could combine those unique qualities, those individual abilities and gifts for God's plan and purpose. Which brings us to our next point. As we discover more about how we are wired, we can see how to connect with others more easily. Again, knowing how we are wired individually and then investing and developing in those unique qualities like the runners in Karen's story. It helps us understand and accept our own roles and see once we accept who we are, not comparing with others, accept who we are, we can now take that and see how that fits in to the bigger picture, because it is a constant journey of discovery in our lives. I love to use the example of a marriage. So I read an article recently, um, written by a professor of mine at seminary, and um, I want you to stay, stay with me here as I just give you a quick synopsis of this article. As the article started, my professor wrote, I have been married eight times. And then he went on to describe each of his different wives. For example, he said of his first wife, she was very traditional and she was a helpmate in the truest sense of the word. She even dropped out of college to help him make his way through college. Of his second wife, he wrote, she was a secretary by trade, so she worked really hard during the day and then she came home and worked really hard again at night. His third wife was a stay-at-home mom. His fourth wife traveled a lot and was a speaker. In fact, they would even travel together sometimes. I move on to his sixth wife, who was a graduate student his seventh wife, who was an academic dean, and then his eighth wife, who was a doctoral professor with a PhD. Let me share this quote with you from the last part of his article. This is what he says. He says, I am so blessed to have had eight great wives. Now, some of these marriages were stronger than others. In some relationships, I was surely more selfish than in others, but what a privilege for him. Of course, he says, those of you who know me understand that I am talking about the same woman here. I have never had a divorce and am not guilty of bigamy. These eight wives are all the same woman, the love of my life for over 40 years. I love that story. Amazing when I read it. The article reminds me that we are always changing, and we are always growing. And I imagine anyone in this room or online who's listening, who's been married for many years, can relate to the article. I always tell newlyweds when I get the chance to speak to them to be ready. Embrace and encourage the journey of discovery and of change that will happen in your lives, because if not, you are in for a great surprise. So as we grow, it changes us, and it changes the way that we engage with others. So I'm going to turn back for a minute to that story in Acts chapter 4. Remember those leaders who recognized Jesus in the lives of the apostles, Well, the story goes on to relate how those leaders desired to stop that mission. They wanted to stop the gospel from being shared. In fact, they put those two men in jail. Now, we know today that that message could not be stopped. There was nothing that could stop the message from being shared across the world. This is what the the men said when they were released from jail. First of all, they praised God. And then speaking of those who desired to stop their mission, this is what they prayed. They said, and now, Lord, look upon their hearts, the, the hearts of the leaders who desired to stop them. Look upon their hearts and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. God had a plan. It would not be stopped. And those men and women who believed chose to chase after it. They didn't stay silent. They chose to go out um, and pursue the goal. The apostles, Jesus called to his service. They embraced their individual calling. They continued to develop their gifts, never resting in what was, but moving on to what could be Imagine. And they relied on Jesus throughout their lives to enable them to share his message with boldness and confidence, no matter the experiences that they were engaged in along the way. So as we read the Bible, we must remember that these were real men and women with real stories just like us. They were on a journey of discovery themselves. And none of them did it alone. Each one connected with others, combining those unique qualities, to accomplish amazing and great things. We read throughout Scripture, they were in pairs, they were together in groups. Never were they alone doing it all by themselves. Likewise, we need to be able to embrace our differences. That's a hard one sometimes. But embrace our differences so we can confidently celebrate and benefit from the gifts that others bring to the table. We can embrace who we are in Christ as we partner with others to spread God's love to the world. Our next point. Together, those apostles filled that great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Together, they could accomplish what Jesus had set out for them to do. It makes us ask the question, though, doesn't it? What would God do with each of us if we followed in those footsteps? each one of us sitting here, each one of us watching online today, if we had the desire to embrace who God created us to be, not chasing after somebody else, but embrace who God created us to be, if in understanding our own identity, we found it only through Jesus, not in the world around us, if we celebrated the gifts of others while remaining confident again in our own abilities, and then in faith, if we joined with others to learn how we can combine each of our unique qualities to fulfill a much greater plan than we could ever begin to imagine. As I read that article from my professor, I thought how strong-rooted their love for one another must have been, and or must still be, in order for that marriage to flourish through all the individual changes they experienced. Imagine, they were not the same individually or together as they were on the day they met, I imagine I could claim they were better. So much better for having worked through each and every change in their lives. They were better because they chose to be in relationship with God and in turn in relationship with one another. Which brings us to our next point. And God's love can change everything. We love because he first loved us. He taught us what it means. He showed it to us first so we can now share it with those we encounter. We are created with the need for those relationships around us. Our lives revolve around relationships, if you think about it, the people that you were with this morning, the people you'll be with this afternoon. And in the end, it is those relationships that bring us joy, and it's those relationships that are the heart of this gospel message that we share. You know, your career may be meaningful to you. Of course it is. It should be. Your education should be meaningful to you. Your home and your car and your other possessions, whatever it is that God has given to you are meaningful to you. But they are nothing without relationships. If you had all of those things without the love of God and the love of those who are around us, they would be meaningless, those things. The choices we make in our life journey change us. They are so important. Each decision that we make. I want to share with you a quote that I um, heard from a pastor that I love to listen to uh, online. I listen to him almost every day, and this is what he said He said, When we allow the Word of God to work in our hearts, it must also change our hearts. Otherwise, we simply learn a way of life rather than learning the way to life, which is only through Jesus. It must sink in to our hearts. Our personalities and our character and our connections, they will change and they will develop over time. But the Word of God, the truth of God, remains the same. When that truth penetrates our hearts, it truly changes our life. So we need to remember this whenever we chain ourselves down with our own doubts and fears. Ever done that? We stay stuck in our own concerns. I love how Paul put it um, when he was in chains, by the way. He was chained and in prison when he wrote this in 2 Timothy 2.9. He says, God's word could not be chained. I love that reminder. I know circumstances change and daily life can be unpredictable, but God's word is always, 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 always faithful and true. Unchained, year to year, unchained, from circumstance to circumstance to circumstance. His word removes the chains. From us as well, because it's truth. It speaks truth into our lives. So one question to consider as we look back through this connected series is, are you using the gifts and abilities for God's purpose and plan in the lives of others? He gave you those gifts. Are you using them in the lives of others? You can start to answer that question by t- taking a look at the lives of those early believers in the church. He has called each one of us, and he called them, to love, and to forgive, and to show grace, and to believe, and to obey, and to share his message. So I ask myself, can I see that in my life? Am I doing that as I interact with others? We start by knowing ourselves. To know ourselves, however, we must first know God. I think that's true because doubt is a very strong adversary in our lives. We see it again, and again, and again. It stops us in our tracks. But the truth of those verses that Karen shared are promises for each and one of us every day. They were promises for the early church. They are promises for us today, and they will be promises for future generations. No one is exempt, and no one is left behind. It is who God created us to be. So we also start by taking a risk. When the door is opened, do you step back or do you step forward? to walk through what God might be asking you to do as you interact with others. In the beginning of my journey in ministry, I'll never forget the first time I thought to myself, maybe this is a part of my path, maybe. So I took a class way outside my comfort zone to take this class in ministry. So what did I do next? I took another one, and I took another one, and I took another one. And then pretty soon my seminary degree was finished but I remember throughout the process looking over my shoulder time and time again as though God was calling someone else. But I just kept moving forward, each time concerned and unsure and confidence coming and going, but each time stepping forward. Celebrate Recovery is another example for me, and it has been life-changing for me. I've been a part of that ministry since it began for almost 15 years now, but I will never forget the first time that I walked through the doors as a participant, unsure and skeptical and broken, completely broken. But as time moved on and healing began, I remember one night when I was asked to serve and they said, would you just be willing to share announcements for us this evening? A simple task, right? And I was like, no. I was like, no. I don't don't know what was going on there, right? I, I thought, who are you talking to? First of all, do you know that I don't have it all together? Do you know that I am not perfect? That I haven't read all of the books yet? That I haven't completed everything yet? Do you know that? And they knew, and God knew, but the door was opened, and so I took a chance, and I walked. Each step of the journey has been and continues to be one that stretches me, sometimes so far that I might break, but I don't. Each step has been hard. Each step is one I know I could never even consider without God's enabling strength because I simply do not have the confidence and I do not have the ability or the wisdom to go forward without him and his strength. My journey is not unique and it is certainly not one that we can begin to compare with the hardship of those early believers. But that's not the point. The point is it is the one that God has called me to. Not anyone else. It is the one he has called me to. He opens the doors. He provides the ability. He provides encouragement through others when I fail. And time and time again, that happens, you can ask. And those same people encourage me to try again and again and again and again, and they remind me of his promises. My connections make all the difference. But here's a sobering thought. If I had quit the first time I was challenged or stretched, God's word would still go forth. Of course, I don't have enough power. Of course, God's word would go forth. But I would not have the great blessing of witnessing the life change in me and in those around me. When you witness a change in somebody else, it is an amazing way to grow your faith. It humbles you when you see what God is doing in the life of another. And so I keep moving forward. I am continually stretched and challenged. And honestly, at my stage in life, I would have thought I'd be on the other side of those challenges, right? I'd have all the confidence in the world that I need, but it's not true. I am still stretched. I still get excited and nervous each time God opens a door for me. And when I stop being challenged and I stop being stretched, then I stop growing. And I never want to stop growing. So what is your story? Are you being challenged? Are you willing To take a risk. We are connected to God who connects us to one another. How does that look for you in your life? This morning I'm reminded how God connected me to Himself and then to others. He connected me to my great friend, Karen. Uh, And I didn't know anyone here at Crosswinds before I took that first step of faith. And it is a privilege to work with her and many others. They pour into me and I get the opportunity to pour into them. It's funny, as she was um, sharing, I shared this first service. As she was raising two sets of twins, so was I. Interesting just little, little thought there, but that was kind of fun. Connecting with others makes all of the difference in our lives. Maybe you will make a connection today. There's many places to serve or get connected here at Crosswinds or out there, wherever God leads you, there are many ways to get connected. So as we Close this series as we close our message this morning. When you walk out of the ministry center or turn your screen off today, God's word requires a decision and it requires a choice. We make those choices. God calls us for a response in our hearts. Each choice produces that crossroads, right? It's a crossroads in our life and in our ministry and in our family and in our purpose and in our goals. But let me encourage you, that it is never too late to take that first step to make the first change in your life. Start living today in the plan and purpose and promises of his unchained word. Bring them into your heart. It can unchain your heart. And then this quote, I love the quote, don't simply learn a way of life, rather grasp the way to life, which is only through Jesus and his perfect plan. The words that he said are true Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if you have not taken that first step to accept him as as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to reach out. Take that step. Make that choice to decide and see what happens in your life. Watch the changes that happen in your life. Would you pray with me? Lord, I am so grateful that each time you stretch and grow me, you give me the courage to move forward when you open a door you give me the strength and the wisdom even when i fail lord you place people around me connect me with those who can help to pick me back up again who can help to encourage me who can help me to give me the wisdom that i need to move on to that next step i thank you lord for all that you do and all that you have done in my life and i know that i am not unique and that you are in the lives of each and every person who are here watching online all those that i encounter lord you have already encountered so i lift them up to you it's a choice for the very first time to me to accept you lord i pray that in your heart they feel you and they understand you and they can begin to recognize you in their lives and as you connect them with others which i know you already have a plan to do lord i pray that we reach out to others and they reach out to us may we take what we read to be true in your word lord um, as a promise and a hope to move forward. We love you, Lord. I thank you for our connected series for the people that are here today to hear your word and to move forward. We lift all of this up to you in the name of your precious son, Jesus.